Welcome to the Meteor Podcast, a weekly news show about what's going on in the media community. This episode is for Friday, March 27th, 2015. This week's episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They are the single best hosting option available for Meteor right now. Go to Modulus.io and check them out. They offer a marketplace. They offer your Mongo databases. It's very easy to integrate with other Mongo databases. They offer WebSocket support with sticky sessions. They do everything right for your Meteor app. I use them for everything that I'm doing. I would highly recommend you use them as well. Modulus.io. Welcome, Meteor fans. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with my special guest co-host. I'm Rishi Gumar. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome back to the show, Rishi. You've been on once before, right? Yep. Yeah. It's a big thing you do. Like you're you're a big meteor news guy now too, right? <laughs> yeah, I just gather all the information and and make it easy for everyone else to get updated. No, that's awesome. I love it. I look forward to those emails on Thursdays. This week we are talking about Meteor 105 Mocha testing, Sika. I think that's how you say that. React Native and browser policy. I don't know about you, but I was uh, I was actually doing a pairing session, like an apprentice pairing session with someone, and we ran a Meteor update to get like the latest version of Iron Router or something, and all of a sudden, Meteor 105 came across my screen, and I was like, "Whoa, what's this?" <laughs> Did you see any announcement for it anywhere other than like on Crater? No, I was actually in the middle of developing in a Meteor app, and then all of a sudden I saw that same message. Yeah, I was like, "Oh." What is this about? And then I went to the history, found out it's just a upgrade on the Facebook API. Right. But apparently, like, if you're using the Facebook API, it's not like, from what I can tell, it's not trivial, at least what I've seen from people complaining. Actually, I looked at the history. Oh, they got, they're breaking out the 1.1 docs now. Yeah. So I guess on April 30th, Facebook's going to sunset the old API and automatically like forcibly switch everyone over. And so they've they've got a really good document here, a wiki doc that's like six or seven paragraphs long that kind of walks you through some of the changes. So if you were using things like what would change, you know, it's just weird. Like it was small, but also there was like, there was no release candidate. There was no like pre-release announcement or anything. So found it to be quite interesting that they just kind of pushed it out there like that. But I could, I could see it working with something like an upgrade on an API because there's not too much testing if it's just straight from Facebook or straight from the Facebook like API docs. You haven't lived through a, a Twitter API update, have you? <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a very painful thing going from Twitter 1.0 API to 1.1 API. So I'll say like their integration point is very, very small, right? Like it's the OAuth stuff. So it's definitely not the end of the world. And I think they definitely want to give people enough time, enough notice, right? Just seems like maybe they didn't realize this was happening and this just kind of came out pretty fast (laughs) once they realized that they needed to change things. But maybe the more interesting story here is the fact that they talked about 1.1 last night. And now when you look at the change log history, you can see there's a bunch of stuff happening with 1.1. Uh, we're getting the the Windows support, the version solver. 
Uh, looks like some updates to Tracker. I thought the new Blaze stuff was coming in with 1.1 as well. Or did that all come in with 1.4 or 1.0.4? No, that's still its own preview release. From what I know, uh, they want some more testing on it before they want to put it in any release. Oh, so okay. they're keeping it separate for now until it's it's good to go. Ah, that's a bummer. That feels like a big thing that they could put in here. I mean, the the version solver is nice, and Windows support is definitely like a gigantic thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I got an AirPair request from Avatal today. I guess they need help with their Windows release, like certificate signing or something like that. And I was like, I can't take this air pair. I have no idea what I'd be doing. <laughs> <laughs> I've touched a Windows machine in years. So next story, the uh, Mocha testing. You want to take that one? Respondly released an article, uh, blog post about testing Meteor packages with Mocha. And so now what this allows you to do is use Mocha essentially within your tiny test APIs, right? Within your package testing. So you like wherever you'd say like API uh, or package dot on test, like you can specify Mocha now and use that instead. I mean, I guess if we're on Respondly, they also released a new test reporter, which I think is, is gorgeous. Yeah. It's, it's really nice. Yeah, I totally agree. They've got like this huge blue header if you're passing or this huge like pink header if you're failing. And it looks like, I don't know if they dove deeper, like they've got, I actually think some of this client and server like runtime, like how, how long things took and all that kind of stuff. I think that was already there. They've made it very, very beautiful and responsive. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And so I, I would say like, Tiny test was, I applaud MDG for having some test suite in place for building Meteor itself, and that was a good thing. But uh, it was definitely lacking in both documentation and in just general, like, there's really no assertion library in there. There's like, I made a table once when I was writing the testing book I was working on, and I want to say there were like 20 calls in there maybe. It wasn't a huge table. So getting Mocha in there, I think is going to be pretty amazing. Have you done any testing yet? Very little. Mm-hmm. I haven't done too too much extensive testing. So it's like the, the most I've done is very basic unit tests. I'm hoping to expand on that and do some end-to-end testing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other interesting thing is this all lives completely outside of velocity. So they try to use similar mechanisms for like updating the the new test reporter so my guess is at some point we might see someone adopt this test reporter into velocity which i think would be awesome as well because i don't really like the the little dot now that i've had to live with it for a while like the little dot in the corner that you can't move Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of annoying (laughs) it actually got in the way of a login button in that's, one of my applications. <laughs> that's the common complaint is that it's like it covers the login button. I think Jonas has uh, he's got some CSS that you can apply and you should probably just like put that in the package and you could configure which corner you want it on or something like that. But still it just it doesn't feel quite right. Like I really like looking at this, this looks really amazing. So kudos to the Respondly guys. Phil in particular. I'm sure he had a lot to do with the uh, the UI there. 
So the next story is Sika. I'm, I really hope I'm saying that right. You totally that sounds right to me. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go with that. This uh, is a firewall that you can install. And it looks like my guess is I haven't, I haven't looked deeply at it, but it, it probably connects into the middleware itself that Meteor runs on, which I think is connect. And it will look at who's connecting into your DDP and it'll, you can basically restrict people to like how often they can hit a, a DDP connection and request some data from you. Uh, and you can do that by IP address. If you're getting hit too hard, it'll actually offer up like a CAPTCHA that they have to fill out before they can get more requests. And even then you can restrict, like if someone passes the CAPTCHA, you, you can restrict how often humans are hitting it. And so he's got a video, he shows like, you can basically take down a telescope site or really any meteor site just by overwhelming and, and asking it over and over for too much data and like a ton of DDP requests and all of a sudden like your meteor server will stop running. Well, I don't think this isn't like a bad thing. I just think it's an easy DDoS attack vector. And so I love seeing that he's created this. And, you know, I think the only problem is I saw someone say something about like, you can't use this with SSL right now. And so that, that would be kind of a stopping bug for me because I just moved most of my meteor sites over to have SSL now. So I also noticed there's a forum topic about about people, I guess, discussing whether or not Sika should actually be in the core because of how how important it is in terms of like security and preventing attacks. Yeah, yeah, I would totally agree with that. And that that'll definitely be an interesting conversation, right? Like it's it's one of those like little conversations that keeps happening. Like to me, collection hooks should probably be in the core. And if MDG is not going to do their own router, then maybe we should have Iron Router be part of core. Because I I don't think there's an advantage to having MDG's eyes on some of this code and basically saying, yes, we think this is right. You know, but at the same time, Aeronode is a pretty smart guy. And uh, I think the community can almost do as good of a job, if not the same type of job, right? Like, I don't think just because MDG got some money and hired some particular people doesn't mean that, like, they're going to do a better job at this than the community could, right? Yeah, that's true. So I always, like, think that one out logically. And it's like, well, we're all pretty smart developers. So... Do we all really believe that MDG is just that much smarter than the rest of us? I just think they have more time and more discussions about a lot of things than maybe the community does. But like, I, I think if Velocity was part of Core and they had a team working on it, it probably would already be out and much more stable than it is now. And so that that's the benefit of having money behind you, but not necessarily. I don't think they would have done a better job necessarily than what the Velocity team's doing right now. So. So the next story is uh, React Native. Did you look at any of this yesterday? Yeah, so React Native, I was actually looking at the syntax. So majority of it is very similar to regular React. But the, the part that differs a lot is render. So the the code that you actually put in render is like, it looks like a mix of HTML with a little bit of uh, handlers on it. And so I'm assuming they, they made it that way so that it compiles down to uh, 
Objective C for iOS. I I would be super interested in trying to like integrate Meteor a, a Meteor server and like communicate data with React Native, but the the only problem I would see is the compilation step. So when it actually converts that React Native code to uh, Objective C, will will that break any data connection that we're trying to create? Mm. So I'd be curious to see like how easy is it to integrate with existing like Objective C libraries, right? Because we already have Objective DDP available. I think there's actually two different implementations of that now. So could you like somehow rely on that at the iOS level to to get things going? I don't know. That would be interesting to see. I think that's definitely like a hotly anticipated thing, right? Because someone saw fit to put it on Crater. And then yesterday I was looking and it was like uh, top five trending repo on GitHub as well. So a lot of people were waiting for that to drop. It's also, I think a lot of that's just JavaScript. So, you know, theoretically, you could just easily bolt this thing into a Meteor app in the end. I mean, that's all. Cordova was just an NPM package, and that's why they were able to get it in, into place in a smart way in the pipeline. I hope someone uh, experiments with this and comes out with a nice integration because uh, building like truly native apps in JavaScript would be awesome. Yeah, agreed. Totally agreed. The other thing I noticed when I was looking at the uh, the trending repos did you see yesterday that uh, Meteor crossed into the, the top 10 of yeah, uh, saw that. most That's starred repos? Yeah, it's like, woohoo. <laughs> We're hotly trailing uh, Rails right now, who's number nine. I think they're at like 25,000 and we're at like 23,000 and something. We're still like way behind. But if you look at frameworks on the page, I think as far as programming language frameworks, I think there were only three on the page. One was Angular, which is like number three. The other one was uh, Rails and then and the Meteor. Uh, I think Node's up there too. I don't know if I'd count Node. It's kind of a weird one. But then, you know, of course, Bootstrap's number one. So that, that's just crazy. Yeah. All right. And uh, last up today is the browser policy versus uh, Superfish. And so David Weldon, he always does a great job with his blog posts. He, uh, he put a blog post up talking about how they had some customers complaining, uh, sending in some, some uh, support tickets saying that they were getting some errors. And so he started looking into it and it turned out that a superfish was trying to like inject stuff into the page and the browser policy was catching that and like causing errors for the users. And so if you're not familiar, browser policy is a package that you can install and uh, there's a configuration file that you can set up for it. And you can do things like disallowing frame wrapping around the page. And so it'll send something to the browser that says like, don't allow this page to be wrapped. If someone tries to put an iframe around it or something, you can turn off inline scripting or evals or, I mean, there's all kinds of things and you can whitelist trusted domains if you want for like cross-scripting origin stuff. And so it's, it's really, really interesting. Like I, I'd only ever looked at this stuff once and hadn't really thought about it ever since then. It, it's really awesome to see him talking about this and, and uh, bringing this up and 
it's a great example of like why you need to do it, right? Like Superfish, nobody knew that was there. And under the covers, like it was subverting part of the internet, right? <laughs> this actually opened my eyes to see the full potential of browser policy. I didn't I didn't know what it could do completely. And this this really helped out. Have you used it yet? I've used it on one application, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've only used it on one app as well. So out of like the probably fifteen to twenty I've had my hands in total meteor wise, like I've only ever messed with it once. So that's kind of funny. There is something interesting in here. They had to increase their proxy buffer in order to get the browser policy to work. Yeah. Anyway, totally worth the read and totally probably worth the 30 minutes it's going to take you to get browser policy installed and configured. I know I'm going to be working to get this into my applications over the weekend, hopefully, or over next week. Good stuff. This week was sponsored by Modulus. You guys know where to check them out, I'm sure. Modulus.io, best best hosting platform ever. Definitely check them out. And then, uh, you know, Media Club, still that thing's uh, going like gangbusters. I think we got like 50 people in there, a lot of, a lot of smart people in there talking about Meteor all the time and it's a great resource. So if you just go to MeteorJS.club, you can sign up for the mailing list there. If you want to get into the Slack chat room, you can go to patreon.com. That's uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Meteor Club. And you can sign up there to support uh, the podcast and Crater and all that kind of stuff. We've had a ton of signups. Joris, Colby, uh, Chris A., Nicholas, Devin, Josh G., all kinds of people. It's just been, it's been going crazy. It's awesome. The last thing is we hit the goal on Patreon. And so we actually had our, we recorded our first new episode of Meteor Club podcast. And so myself and Ben Strahan and Sasha Graef and Jeremy Shimko all recorded an episode where we talk about scaling and hosting. And so that'll probably be out within the next week or two as a new podcast. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you listened to the other new podcast, Meteor Interviews, by chance? Uh, uh, yes, I have. Uh, I saw the one that you were in and the next one with Sam. They're he, both very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I love listening to uh, Sam talk. It's always funny to hear him like, I don't know. I don't know if that's like a British-ism or what, but he's always got these funny little sayings that he inserts in there. And you, you really got to listen for him, but it was it was fun to hear. So. All right, Rishi, uh, thanks for filling in for Rye. I appreciate you showing up. A pleasure to be on the show. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll see you again some other time. (laughs) Anytime. All right. We'll see all the rest of you listeners next week. Bye.